0: Good morning, I'm Charlotte Freeland from the Washington Post and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, February 25th. In today's news, Biden nominates three people to the USPS Board of Governors as DeJoy testifies before Congress. And the Supreme Court considers giving police greater powers when pursuing suspects. But first, the big idea. The minimum wage increase has emerged as a flashpoint in the debate over President Biden's proposed $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. On Wednesday, lawmakers were awaiting a key ruling from Senate officials on whether the $15 an hour minimum wage proposal can remain in the package. Top Senate aides from both parties met with the Senate parliamentarian to discuss whether the minimum wage increase would be allowable under the complex Senate rules that will govern the legislation. Lawmakers are still awaiting a ruling from the parliamentarian that was expected Wednesday evening. Meanwhile, House Democrats are still preparing to advance the relief bill on Friday and intend to include that minimum wage increase regardless of its ultimate fate in the Senate. But minimum wage is just one piece of the wide-ranging legislation that also includes a new round of $1,400 stimulus checks, an extension of emergency unemployment benefits, $130 billion for schools, $350 $350 billion for cities and states, and tens of billions of dollars for vaccines, testing, and the health care system. House Democratic Caucus Chairman Hakeem Jeffries of New York remains hopeful that the $15 minimum wage increase, which takes place gradually over a period of four years, will be ruled in order. But the relief bill, which is Biden's first major legislative initiative, is unlikely to receive any Republican support. But the relief bill, which is Biden's first major legislative initiative, is unlikely to receive any Republican support. House Republican leaders slammed it as a liberal wish list filled with extraneous provisions. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office estimated recently that raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2025 will cost 1.4 million jobs and increase the deficit by $54 billion over 10 years, But it would also lift 900,000 people out of poverty. Democrats are pushing the relief bill forward under a budget reconciliation process that would allow it to pass with a simple majority vote instead of the 60 required. That means no GOP support is necessary if all 50 members of the Senate Democratic Caucus stick together. If they do, Vice President Harris could break a tie in favor of the bill. But under the rules of budget reconciliation, provisions that increase deficits over the long term or don't have a significant budgetary effect are not permitted. Many Democrats, including Biden, have suggested that they don't think the minimum wage increase will meet those criteria. That decision is up to Senate parliamentarian Elizabeth McDonough. Even if McDonough were to determine that the minimum wage increase could remain in the bill, two Senate Democrats, Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, have indicated that they oppose it. Manchin has suggested that he would like to amend the bill to bring the minimum wage increase down to $11 an hour. In Wednesday's press briefing, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki declined to say whether Biden would sign a bill with an $11 minimum wage. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one, on Wednesday, the White House made moves to regain control of the U.S. Postal Service as the Postmaster General testified before Congress. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy says he will press forward with plans to raise prices and slow the mail and brushed off calls for his resignation. My Post colleagues Jacob Bogage, Christopher Ingram, and Hannah Denham report that President Biden named two Democrats and a voting rights advocate to fill three of the four openings on the Postal Service's governing board. If all three win Senate confirmation, the nine-member board would be made up of an equal number of Democrats and Republicans and one independent. The new slate would create a Democratic advantage and potentially the votes to oust DeJoy, a Republican. DeJoy led the overhaul of the Postal Service over the summer that led to service declines that delayed customers' bills, prescriptions, and paychecks. With the current board's backing, DeJoy was able to slash overtime pay and dramatically reduce mail processing capabilities. An audit by an inspector general says the move reflected a lack of preparation or concern for how it might affect service. Though the mail slowdowns opened DeJoy to intense public scrutiny, he has made clear that he intends to push through his agenda to rein in the agency's $188.4 billion in liabilities. More than 70 House Democrats called on Biden to move quickly on the nominations in a letter last week. Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth and several House Democrats went further, urging Biden to fire the board's six sitting members and start from scratch. Michigan Senator Gary Peters is chair of the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee, which will oversee the nominee's confirmation process. He says he's pleased with the Biden administration's efforts to make the Postal Board of Governors a top priority. The move would potentially benefit voting rights groups, which have pressed Congress to use the Postal Service to expand vote-by-mail access. The new block is likely to be embraced by the powerful postal unions, whose leaders have privately expressed worries that DeJoy would cut jobs or contract work to private firms to reduce expenses. DeJoy spent most of the hearing dodging questions about his forthcoming strategic plan for the Postal Service, which includes higher prices and slower delivery. That's according to two people briefed on the details who spoke on the condition of anonymity because the proposal is not yet complete. The board's lack of diversity also drew pointed remarks during Wednesday's hearing. The body's six sitting members are all older men and all but one is white. The Postal Service's workforce, however, is disproportionately black and female. DeJoy responded by saying the Postal Service would love to have a diverse board that reflects its population. Number two, the Supreme Court spent two hours on Wednesday trying to come up with a national guidance on when police in pursuit of a suspect can enter someone's home without a warrant. Generally, the Constitution requires a warrant, but the case of Lang versus California is calling that into question. In October 2016, Arthur Lang was driving home on the highway in Sonoma, California. There were only a few seconds between the time a California Highway Patrol officer signaled for Lang to pull over. And when Lang instead turned into his driveway, the officer was pursuing Lang for playing his radio too loudly and occasionally beeping his horn. It was only after the officer confronted Lang that he suspected the driver had been drinking. A test showed Lang had three times the legal limit of alcohol in his blood, according to court documents. He lost his license and pleaded no contest to driving under the influence. Lang appealed, saying what the officer learned in the garage should not be allowed into evidence. But a California court sided with the police, saying there was no difference in pursuing someone suspected of a felony and someone suspected of a misdemeanor. Supreme Court reporter Robert Barnes notes that courts have said that does not apply if the person consents or if the officer faces exigent circumstances that require immediate action. The Supreme Court recognizes one of those circumstances is when an officer is in hot pursuit of a fleeing felon. Stanford University law professor Jeffrey Fisher is representing Lang. He says extending the hot pursuit exception to include misdemeanors would vastly increase the power of police to intrude on someone's home and property, something the Constitution holds sacrosanct. Justice Samuel Alito says a video of the encounter made him doubt Lange even knew he was being pursued. The officer had turned on his lights only about 100 feet from Lang's driveway. Alito asks, if we hold that hot pursuit requires a hot pursuit, won't we go a long way toward preventing warrantless arrests for minor infractions? Chief Justice John Roberts, however, worries about hamstringing the police, saying perhaps police should be even more worried when someone flees over a minor infraction. Complicating the case is that the state of California thinks the state's court decision in favor of police went too far and is declining to defend it. The California Deputy Solicitor General said the state believes the hot pursuit leeway should be applied on a case-by-case basis when suspected misdemeanors are involved. But he was swamped with questions about how an officer might make such differentiations. The attorney appointed by the Supreme Court to defend the California's court decision says proceeding without a warrant should not depend on the severity of the alleged crime, but on the suspect's actions. That's The Daily 202 for Thursday, February 25th. I'm Sharla Freeland. Thanks for listening.